JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us. You know what? Despite being disappointed on Saturday night, I thought it was a fantastic sports weekend. And I was disappointed on Saturday night. Had to keep my head above water a little bit after that Butler shot that went down and sealed the deal from a friend and his Florida Atlantic Owls. But, you know, it's one of those things where you look at it and you thought, wow, what a time. What a couple of weeks right there. I'd be uh, much better. Much more suited. Listen, people had said, well, you know, at least they're not going to move on. At least they won't take a beat down from UConn. I don't care about that. Why would you care about that? You advance and see what happens. So Eleven and I were talking about this just before he walked out. Tonight's going to be one of those games you're going to go TV timeout to TV timeout. And hopefully you're going to hang in there. And then when... Your UConn, if you put a little bit of pressure on them, pressure unlike they've seen in this tournament because everything has been a double-digit winning deal. A little bit of late-game pressure. And considering San Diego State has been there, look at how they got to this championship game. By a whistle against Creighton and by a last-second shot. We'll dive a little bit more into that, but a last-second shot and a make on Saturday night. And normally in these tournaments, you will see that there is a signature moment, a signature moment in this one-and-done where you could have very easily lost, and that's the reason why you're there. UConn doesn't really have that. UConn's just running roughshod over everybody, and nothing against them. They look really good. You know, I love it when Danny Hurley talks about what was necessary for him to get this thing back in year this year. You know, what he thought he needed. Some shooting, 
some guard play. And he's got this thing stacked up right now. He also said this yesterday. You know, it doesn't hurt when you have a couple of NBA players and you add around them on your roster. It's not rocket science. That is oh so true. Most will make it out, especially some of the coaches. Some of the coaches will make this out to be rocket science. It is not rocket science. We all see what happens. And, I mean, sometimes you and I can figure that out, right? Yeah, it was unfortunate for the Owls. You can kind of see it coming. They were up 14 with 14 minutes to go. And it's weird. In the second half of games, when you, for example, are up double digits with still plus 10 on the clock, it just seems like it's going to take forever. And then Florida Atlantic stopped getting stops. Yeah, gave up offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds off of missed free throws. That Bradley kid couldn't miss. And then at the end, you saw a difference. And I completely understood. And we'll talk to Dusty on the show tomorrow at 5 o'clock. I understood he was going to value that final possession because he knew by virtue of what he had seen down the stretch here that he was going to need it. They were a point ahead, and you were going to need that make. You wanted that make. So that, that offensive possession for him, that final one of the Owls, that was incredibly important. And I know one, he had to call a timeout because they couldn't get the ball inbounds. But that was incredibly important. And you saw a difference in that because once there was a miss, you went to the other direction and Brian Dutcher didn't call a timeout. Brian Dutcher didn't call a timeout and went for it. And when you look back on that, and again, I'm sitting there in front of the board and I'm watching and there's music playing and the phones are ringing and all that crap on Saturday night, and I'm sitting there, and when when Butler first went baseline, when he first went baseline, now this is like a, a split, a, a moment, a split-second thought. That split-second thought was, you know what? Florida Atlanta is going to win this now. Because he was going to get cut off. He was going to get cut off by the man. I think it was Boyd. He was going to get cut off by the baseline. He was going to get cut off by something. And then when he reversed and came back, and you thought, now he's going to get a little bit of space to get this thing off. I mean, one more dribble baseline, Florida Atlantic wins. One more dribble. I mean, that's how close that thing was. One more wasted half second and trying to figure out that that shot. You You get baseline, maybe you feel like you need to kick it out. Looking for somebody else. That was going to be a much tougher, much more difficult shot. And I was thinking at that moment, man, they're going to win this now. And then once, it's funny too, when you've watched so much basketball, you start to think about things in these so-called nanoseconds, right? You know, these split-second decisions that are being made. And I mean, hell, we can go back and, and watch this until the cows come home, which we will, and I did. But I was just thinking... At that moment, when he started to go baseline, one more dribble, Florida Atlantic wins. One more. Yeah, then he does a little between-the-leg crossover, comes back up, spots up, gets a little bit of space, not a lot, but a little bit of space, and steps into a mid-range jump shot that was pure, and that was that. That was that. And it was clear that that thing was going to count. 
But it was a fantastic game. Didn't end the way that I wanted it to end, certainly. And again, I, I, no, 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 I'm not going to be afraid. A lot of people are saying, well, you know what? You saved your friend a beat down later on tonight. The hell with that. You want to be there. Best part about it is being there. You're not going to say, well, you know what? This is what would have happened anyway. Well, so what? You want to be there. Be there to be a part of it. But those signature moments are, are absolutely proof. And normally you have one. Like San Diego State has a couple. That Creighton game with the Nimhard foul and the make and the clock. Remember all the teeth gnashing and video checking they did over the clock? What they had to do and whether or not uh, the inline was stepped over. There's a lot of crap that was going on in Louisville for that, that regional final there. You know, normally that's your signature moment. And then when you look back, Butler was like a half inch away from stepping out of bounds. I'm not sure that was going to be caught. Probably wouldn't have been. I mean, immediately. So I'm taking requests and people were saying, hey, can you play that? Can you play this? And by the way, that guy stepped out of bounds. And then initially, all I got was the the longer view of it. And you couldn't really tell. And then once CBS, somebody in the truck at CBS figured out that, hey, we got to get a shot of this this uh, baseline thing because it looked like maybe his foot's near the out-of-bounds line and it literally was like an inch away. It's like one of those Sean Elliott moments, remember in the postseason with San Antonio years ago where had his heel come down, he would have been out-of-bounds, but he stayed in jumping into a three-point shot on his tiptoes and knocked it down. It was that close. That close. That, that does suck a lot. That does. I can't imagine. This is one of the reasons. Like, there are times where I think, yeah, and this is just in terms of of lower level. I know some really good coaches I give respect to, and then I know some coaches that may be nice, but they couldn't coach their way out of a sack. And I oftentimes think about, see, what if you were in that situation? What would you be doing there? And then I have all that time to think about it. These guys don't have that moment to think about it. They can't sit back and go, well, I'll sleep on this and come back again tomorrow. And I think the roughest part would be, and I don't know if all these guys do it, and I'm assuming that most of them try not to do it. I just don't know how naturally you don't second guess yourself after everything. Because I'm a second guesser. I will second guess myself. Not only that, this is a bad combination. I'm a second guesser and incredibly superstitious. I'm lucky I can walk down the road. So I'm saying, hey, what could I have done better? And if I had not stepped on that crack in the sidewalk, then everything would have been okay. (laughs) You know what? I didn't just, I didn't bend my ass over to get that penny. Everything would have been okay. So that is the worst, but... I can't imagine being a coach, especially at that level, and having to live with some of the second guesses privately you have to deal with. Uh, that would be tough. I'm going to tell you what, though. When it works out, and I'm really happy for Dusty May. What an absolute glorious tournament run. People ask me all the time, where is he going to go? Where is he going to end up? Is he going to take a job? Well, A, there are not a lot of jobs, if any, right now really to be had. And B, provided these guys hang in there, I think he's only losing that Forrest kid. I believe Forrest was his first, we'll ask him this tomorrow, recruit. Hey, one guy. 
one guy that can add to NCAA tournament legend out there. And I'm not talking about like guy like Harold the show. Arsenault, I believe, was his name. And and the kid from Northern Iowa, there are a handful of dudes out there that we can remember their name for moments or plural moments of the NCAA tournament. But watching Elijah Martin play for FAU, he's fun to watch. Six foot two guard, strong. Got playmaking ability, shot making ability, goes to the free throw line, knocks it down, can play a little bit of defense. They have such really strong, interchangeable parts. And uh, all but one, at least as of right now, with the whole transfer portal stuff, as of right now, all but one should be back. It will be interesting to see where they are ranked if everything does hang together in the top 25 at the beginning of the season. Also, it will be interesting to see because now – I mean, they had a target on their back in Conference USA a year ago. They're moving to the American Athletic, but even more so of a target on your back. Is it going to be more difficult now to find games, easier to find games? You're going to see the opportunity that is there. And, you know, one of these days, one of these days, I'm sure Dusty will step up and go someplace else. It's like Doug Gottlieb. I mentioned this on Friday. had mentioned, hey, he's waiting on the IU job. You're not waiting on the IU job. I'm sure he'd be thrilled. If that were come to fruition, but he's not waiting on any job. He's just doing what he can right now. That's legit, too. So many of these guys, not all, but so many of these guys are such BSers, too. And no offense to used car salesmen, like BSers and used car salesmen. So many of them are. I can guarantee you this, friendship or not... (laughs) There's nobody more straightforward than Dusty May. None. Zero. This is beyond what he ever thought. Now, he he kept the fight up, kept going, kept going, and then obviously it turned into what it has been now. But this was the way that he had been built for a number of years, even going back to when he was in high school and a player for Mark Barnheiser. He was built exactly like this. What you see is what you get. And, and the best part about it is I haven't tweeted this out yet. I just I send it to some of my friends. It was from NCAA March Madness, that Twitter handle. And he was talking about what he liked about his team. And always keep this in mind. And I, I really, really on the youth level, because some people out there, you know, you get daddies and mommies involved and it's an absolute mess. Keep this in mind on the youth level. I should really send this out. When he talked about how his players, his players are always together. There are no clicks. You can walk in a locker room on any day, and this guy's hanging with that guy off the court. That guy's hanging with this guy. And he specifically talked about how there are no clicks. That is, to me, it's a, a coaching philosophy that should start much earlier and then talking about it certainly when you're in college. Because there are a lot of you out there that know exactly what I'm talking about. You got one set over here, the other set over here, and it should be easily noted, but when you're mommy or daddy, sometimes you don't. Most of the time you don't. That should be like the first thing in the first week you should notice. And I thought, that is so true. And if he's saying it there at that level in the Final Four, 
then that should be, I think, widely more practice the younger you are coaching kids. Yeah, that would serve as a great piece of advice for a lot of you that plan on coaching your kids or coach kids. That's a great piece of advice. So hold that true. Uh, Dusty's going to join the show coming up tomorrow. Jake Query is going to be here coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Matt Miller, who is an ESPN draft analyst, bottom of the hour, we'll talk about the fourth overall selection. Yeah, of course, who knows? I mean, everything could change. Yeah, I know it's Chris Ballard. He does this and he does that. But what what Fowler, was his name Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, brought up via Twitter over the weekend that the Colts, according to league sources, have been leaning on, zoned in on, my words, not his, in a tweet, or at least on ESPN in a report. Will Levis, I've told you since basically October, don't be surprised. That didn't mean they're going to do it. But right now, right now, there are like all these, if you guys remember this name, Fernando Valenzuela, there are all these Fernando Valenzuela screwballs that are being thrown. You know, those, uh, those rubber balls, those super balls or wondering like you have, and they, you know, you'd bounce it off the wall or off the concrete and they'd go, you know, 45 feet in the air. That's what's going on right now. There's information being thrown out everywhere and really, I, to me, this show is probably doing a service for Chris Ballard and the Colts, and especially if they don't like Will Levis. It's doing them a service. One of these days, I would expect, because of the content on this show, I would expect Chris to come by and say, hey, you know what, thank you very much for your content because you provided an incredible misdirection. <laughs> this content that you have provided a great misdirection that we needed so we could easier execute what we actually wanted to do compared to you being stratospherically inaccurate. One of these days, I want to be thanked for that. Your information was so awful and so inaccurate that that provided us just a lot more leverage in terms of what we wanted to do. One of these days, I hope to end up getting a thank you for that. But we'll talk about that and more with Matt Miller coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, the Women's National Championship. There was never a time, I don't think, that I ever watched a you know women's game, women's national championship. You know, I've started watching IU women this year. There's no doubt about it. More consistently than I had. But the Final Four, and in particular, that game yesterday was outstanding. And yet all I hear is complaining. Why is that? Well, I know why it is. It's because you guys, oftentimes, you read and listen to all the wrong people. For whatever reason, you let knobs infiltrate your mind, and you can't do that. You can't do that. In terms of trash talk, it's a beautiful thing. It's a competitive vibe. If you don't do it, that's okay. I mean, you may be a killer without doing it. But if you do, and that helps motivate you, then so be it. And in the world of blank talking, you know this, in the world of blank talking, you're going to get it back in some way. And the championship team had the opportunity to get it back. 
I'm assuming across the board probably felt a little bit slighted about, hey, you know what, we're here too. I know Caitlin Clark is phenomenal, but yay, we're here too. Now, I will say this, the whole, well, because she didn't guard her person on Friday night when they played South Carolina and, you know, that was disrespectful. That's not disrespectful. That's strategy. I'm right there. All of you are the same way. Listen, nobody wants to play defense. Let's, come on. Like, Fife was just in here. He was, like, known as a defensive player. Truth be told, he doesn't want to play it either. He didn't want to play it. Nobody wants to play defense. You know what would be glorious? What would be glorious is to be able to do what Caitlin Clark did on Friday night. That is put up 41 points and not guard anybody. That's beautiful. That's like perfect. It's like a perfect day for anybody that's ever picked up a basketball. You're going to score 41 points, and you're not going to be from me to the Salesforce Tower of guarding anybody. That's beautiful. But the trash talk, if you do it, comes with the territory. You know, you know the one person that's not screaming and yelling and turning this into a social issue? Miss Caitlin Clark. You didn't care. And if I'm LSU, I probably felt slighted too. One little bit of payback, one little bit of get back on that. Why wouldn't you? See, we showed you. You got all the hype. You're a great player, but look, we have a ring or, you know, whatever the John Cena thing is. Man, that's glorious. That's competitive. All that's competitive. Well, it's not good sportsmanship. Yes, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. I don't sometimes. Can you have sportsmanship? And I I guess you can. But I, I will choose the side of competition and competitive and enjoyable to watch. And I'm jacking around on a Sunday afternoon watching this, then give me a reason to hang, and it did. The other thing that was being complained about was the officiating, and while I completely understand, while it looked like a mess, think about where you would be. Think about where I would be right now if we could not consistently complain about officiating. I don't want to live in that world. Like That's one of the favorite things I can do in watching an NBA game is complain about Scott Foster. Or complain about Ed Grimley, Ed Malloy, not Grimley. <laughs> he looks like Ed Grimley, but Ed Malloy. I love complaining about that. And he missed a call. You know what, LSU was still going to win. Yeah, regardless of that technical foul, LSU was still going to win. And I'm just, I'm just there for the competition. You know, I'm not there to jump on Twitter afterwards and hope that my tweet you know, turns into this viral tweet. The hell with that. I'd like, I just hung away from it. I just kind of look around and let the, uh, the just for you toilet tell me all I need to know about what's going on. That's all you got to do. Because believe me on Twitter, there is nothing that is for me in just for you. It's just a bunch of yapping clowns screaming about stuff and hoping that their tweet goes viral. And hoping they get a little bit more notoriety out of it. I just like hang back. And, you know, unfortunately, if you click on just for you, and I don't know how this works, people tell me it's because it's people that you, that, that, I mean, not really. Like I get all this stuff and I go, I don't even know who this person is. How'd this end up here? But that's all you have to do. And everybody's fighting and fighting this and fighting that. And I think we lose sight of 
just what we were looking for in the first place, and that was, you know, a great competition. I mean, listen, when you get uh, what's-his-nuts from uh, Barstool, the stool president, that, that's him. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. Or uh, Keith Oberman, that's what he's going to do. They all, that's what everybody's going to do. But I can tell you, I look back on that game, and I was there for the competition, and it gave me exactly what I was looking for. It gave me individual. That that Carson girl in the first half, I was talking out in the hall before we started here. And, and believe me, I cannot imagine this, but I can't, I can't believe that there is anything more glorious than being in the jump shooting zone that she was in in the first half and to end the first half. I don't care if you're just in there for three minutes of a half. That has to be the most glorious place, or at least one of them on earth, to be in that zone. She knew that near half-court throw that banked home to end the first half, which was a big deal, by the way. I mean, you can tell you, she felt like that was going in. We all love basketball around here, and we all live our lives hoping just for a minute you're in a zone like that. There's so many reasons to enjoy that game. Then you get it afterwards, and it's everybody's complaining. Oh, the officials, they need to be fired. Well, I mean, listen, if you're going to fire officials for bad calls, I mean, where does the line start? Where does it start? Sure, they're about, I mean, Jaja was on the floor hell the entire game, especially in the first half. I'll be on the floor running into the official. I just, man, the competition was what I was looking for. And I was not looking for some silly-ass social debate, which it turned into. That's exactly what I like about basketball. And it just so happened it was a women's national championship game. I'd probably tune that bad boy in again. You know, I mentioned I'd go see New Edition in that concert again. I, I would have gone the night after that we went to see that a week ago Friday night. I'd watch that again, too. I would watch it again, too. You know, things just be so, at times, bland. That was compelling. There were some moments in that thing. And what's interesting, both, um, both Reese and... Clark, I think, come back next year too, right? So who knows? Who knows? But the spotlight was on those two teams. Everybody was seemingly watching, and then that's what you have to do in this world. You got to run to Twitter and complain. See if my tweet can go viral. Somebody sent me something that Skip Bayless said about Larry Bird. <laughs> what in the world? I mean, are, are you that bankrupt from content? Got to have a little bit more. Me, you, you, without notoriety here, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. But man, I tell you what, don't let this happen though. Don't let this happen. Don't let the jackasses win ever. All right, don't let the jackasses win. Think about that. Think about that, and you'll be more satisfied especially after the day like yesterday. 
Hey, by the way, to Friday night, I wanted to send my thoughts. I said this on Saturday, too, but on Friday night, send my thoughts out to the Whiteland community, hit incredibly hard by the severe weather, and certainly down in Sullivan. I know Sullivan and Sullivan County a great deal, close to where I grew up. They took a major hit on the south side of Sullivan on Friday. And I know that most of us in this area dealt with that weather, and many of us were incredibly fortunate. Like, I'm on the other end of Whiteland Road. I'll give you a great example. We didn't have any power, so Blake and I came down here on Saturday morning to take a shower and wash up. We didn't have any power until like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and that's fine. You go down Whiteland Road on the other end, you know, across 135, and then you get to 31, they would not let you go towards 65 because everything was so bad over there. And I just want everybody to understand that we are absolutely thinking about you. Uh, Friday night for a lot of folks was incredibly ugly, whether you're talking about Whiteland or maybe Martinsville, uh, in and around Spencer, Indiana, and certainly down in Sullivan. And the entire state, certainly central Indiana, had to deal with it. But we are thinking about you. And I also want to give a shout to everybody who was on board. I know people downstairs on WIBC, John Herrick and the gang, did a great job of keeping everybody informed. Uh, Brian Wilkes of Fox 59 I thought was spectacular. I thought he was spectacular on Friday night. And again, that's taking nothing away from 13 and 6 and Wish, all of which, uh, and uh, what uh, CBS 4, all were on the air. All were on the air keeping you updated. I was following Brian Wilkes. Brian Wilkes had this thing down to like a 30-second margin. I thought Brian Wilkes was incredible in keeping everybody informed on Friday night. But just uh, everybody that went through those severe storms, certainly in the area, in the state, we are thinking about you on this day. Gene Katie's going into the Hall of Fame. That's absolutely awesome. That and your calls coming up on the other side. Matt Miller of ESPN, their draft analyst, will join us. Jake Query is going to be here coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. I'm going to have plenty of time to talk with you as well. At 239-1070, email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, a shout-out to everybody in there. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, you guys, thank you so much for being a part of this show. I loved it yesterday. Love it. Oh, I got social media-wise complaints. Everybody's complaining. Oh, she shouldn't have done this. Oh, she did that. No, 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 no. That was perfect. Don't stop being you. Don't stop being you. Listen, and, and even if... You're going to become a villain. For example, like Dylan Brooks of the Grizzlies right now is clearly wanting to be great. It's more of a compelling story for me. Oh, the best of times, the bad boys of Detroit. Best of times. 
There was a moment when you wanted them to win, and then there became moments when you wanted to see them lose every game. But yeah, it's just everything was just so stinking silly yesterday. And and again, that's even to me the officiating. And I know John Adams is around here as well, and he thought the officiating stunk. And you know what? It probably did. It probably did because most of the time that it does, but I don't want it to ever be perfect. And I don't think it's ever going to be perfect in our minds anyway. But can you imagine if you took being able to complain about bad calls, if you took it off the deck of anything you can complain about? Okay, (laughs) what are we complaining about now? Now, I tend not to do it collegiately, and I sure as hell don't do it high school-wise. But NBA, I love it. In the NBA, that's part of the fun that I have. Well, yesterday, yesterday was great. Get back to that coming up in a minute. If you're on hold, I'll get your calls. Jake Query is going to be here coming up at the top of the hour. Dusty May, head coach of Florida Atlantic's on the show tomorrow. And I want to give him some love on just a fantastic season, a fantastic run in the NCAA tournament. And man, do I wish that he was playing with his guys tonight. Alas, at San Diego State and UConn, about 9.20 later on tonight, too. Uh, we'll get to that, some Pacer conversation, and more in a second. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN, ESPN.com, he's an NFL draft analyst and more, and we need some draft analysis around here because presently the Colts, they pick number four overall. It's Matt Miller who joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Matt, a little context here. I go all the way back because when you have a team that's foobar like this was, organizationally all the way down this past year, you start talking about draft stuff basically in October when you're not complaining about what Jim Irsay did with Jeff Saturday. You start, or you know Matt Ryan having a noodle arm or whatever, you start talking about this in October. I had heard in October that the Colts had, even with the season that wasn't, at all great for Will Levis in Kentucky, had significant interest in him. Uh, That holds true right now. In your world, at number four, if they were going to go off the board, who do you think the Colts would go with right now? You think that I still remain accurate? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously with the the idea that Bryce Young from Alabama, CJ Stroud from Ohio State are off the board, they're most likely in some order going one, two to Carolina and to Houston. So I think if you survey the rest of the class, Anthony Richardson from Florida feels like he's a year away. I, I think the Colts have backed themselves into a corner. No matter how much you like Gardner Minshew, uh, it feels like they've backed themselves into a corner. Of, they need somebody who can play sooner rather than later. And Richardson is more of a work in progress than he is someone who can step in right away. So uh, Will Levis is, you know, he's kind of the, the chair that's left at the game of, you know, musical chairs at the end. What do you like and dislike about the Kentucky quarterback, Matt? Yeah, there's, you know, that's a great point because I do think in throughout this process you you forget to talk about what you like about guys. And I think with Levis, you have someone who elevated a program who there were times, I mean, he's he's all they got. And I, I think we even saw that at the pro day. When, when these guys have pro day, it's all tweet out my list of, hey, here's who to watch today. The Kentucky pro day, it was, hey, here's Will Levis. And uh, have, have fun. You know, it's you're watching one guy and then you're, you're getting out of town. So um, big, strong uh, arm talent is, is I probably the best in the class. It's he or Anthony Richardson. They're right up there. Um, can, can throw at every level of the field that you want. He's incredibly tough. He's mobile. Uh, he's played in a pro-style passing attack. I mean, his offensive coordinator is the offensive coordinator of the L.A. Rams. So uh, there's definitely 
you know, it's a system that's going to translate really well to what they do in the NFL. And speaking of the arm strength, one of my favorite things is that he trusts that arm. And even playing at Kentucky with lower level of talent around him than most of the teams he played in the SEC, he's out there spinning it. He's trying to make things happen, which can lead to turnovers. He had you know, 23 interceptions the last two years. That's an issue. But there's, there's a lot to work with there. And I think that immediate idea is, whether it's the Colts or someone else, He's going to have a ton more talent around him. He's going to have a much better situation in the NFL than he did in college. All right. I wish, like, I know he has a cannon, but I loved what C.J. Stroud said at the combine here when he said he he referred to himself as a ball placement specialist. And after watching a number of quarterbacks, certainly since Phillip Rivers here the past couple of years, not so much be ball placement specialist, that kind of struck a chord with me. Um, Where is his level of ball placement skill, just beyond the cannon of the arm that he described? That's where that's one of the two areas of improvement. Number one is he's got to speed things up in his process. I think he took a lot of sacks that he didn't need to. Trying to wait for something to happen in the pocket, waiting for a guy to get open or waiting for a play to break. Um, so he's got to get faster. But I, I think also being you know a, a receiver's best friend. C.J. Stroud hit the nail on the head. He's a point guard. He's a he's a distributor. Uh, I think Levis at times tries to throw guys open. He'll try to throw through a defender to get to you a little bit. So I think it's, he's got to do a better job of setting his players up. The flip side to that, it makes it tough to do that when you don't have players who can get open on their own. Um, so it's it's something that, yeah, you would love to see him, you know, set guys up for yards after catch. You want to see him throw with a softer touch at times. But he also didn't have first-round wide receivers like C.J. Stroud had at Ohio State. So um, there's there's a flip side to almost everything with Levis's. Man, you'd like to see this. Yeah. But – you know, the offensive line wasn't as good. Or, man, he was hurt this whole last year. You know, there there were a lot of things that, that definitely worked against him. I, I had a couple of Kentucky fans that are hardcore tell me, say, hey, this is not really him you're seeing right here. I mean, there's no weapons. He is dinged up. And then when I watched him, and I, listen, I base a lot of my opinion on, you know, a handful of games that I see. And I don't see a pro day and, you know, the combine stuff, not that much to me. So I base the actual competition. And, you know, Matt, in terms of the competition, C.J. Stroud stuck out so much to me in that Georgia game that I understand why Carolina wanted to pivot up and make sure that they had a legitimate shot at getting him. But I do feel compelled to tell you, after watching Richardson in his pro day, um, I like to call things around here sports arousals. Um, that gave me a bit of a sports arousal right there because, <laughs> he, I mean, I know that he's two, three years or whatever away, but goodness, that is a big dude that is fleet of foot, has a cannon for an arm. If he could ever put this together, look out. If he puts it together, he could be one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, and that sounds like hyperbole, right? But there's no ceiling. And, I, you know, in my job, we talk a lot about floor and ceiling. Where are you at right now versus where can you be? And Anthony Richardson's ceiling has no limit. It, it really doesn't because he's massive. He's a fantastic athlete. If he doesn't have the strongest arm in the class, it's the second strongest. And I think from the second he steps into the NFL, he's one of the five best runners at the quarterback position in the entire league. I mean, he's very special when it comes to his ability to make plays happen. He had three runs over 80 yards this year for touchdowns. He's only played 13 games. That's the other side is, you know, it's it's all about where he can get. You're not drafting who he is today. You're drafting who he can be in three or four years, which is why you hear the Josh Allen comparisons. It's, hey, it's not 
It's not year one. It's what he can become with those rare physical tools. And, and also, incredibly hard worker, great human being. Everything you hear about Anthony Richardson is just like, this is a salt-of-the-earth guy who's going to work his tail off. He's going to take the coaching. He has that drive to be great. Checks every box when it comes to that. So Matt Miller of ESPN, NFL draft analyst, and more with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I the the one thing that concerns me, and we we saw it here. There was a point in time when Andrew Luck was here, Matt, where you know his signature was extending to play. And then that became a gray area to where, all right, so he's extending this and taking way too many hits. And then we saw it transform itself into a detriment. I think Josh Allen's going to go through the same thing coming up here as well because I think he takes way too many needless hits. Um, in terms of Richardson, is this maybe to a team that has – already pieces built around him that he can grow into or are you going to do what we see normally now in the nfl will a team draft him and grow those pieces outside of what they believe their future quarterback to be no I, that's a great point i think you have to look at i mean you look at andrew luck and lamar jackson you know lamar's sitting out there as a free agent and can't find a landing spot and in turn because people are worried about how long his style of play can hold up. So I, I think with Richardson, you have that, that same thing. Obviously, he's much, much bigger. But um, I look at him as somebody where he's going to bring such a unique skill set to the table that you can you can build a team around that as opposed to, you know, drafting to, to suit his needs. But also, it's it's a process. You know, in Buffalo, they I, people talk, Josh is great, and he should get a ton of praise. They also invested in the offensive line through free agency. They bought an offensive line, basically, to go with, with that. They also trade for Stephon Diggs. So I think it's admirable. And, you know, you can have a similar plan in place of, all right, here's what we have that already works. You know, in Indy, you've got a great running back. You've got Michael Pittman Jr. I'm a fan of Alec Pierce. Uh, hopefully, Quentin Nelson gets back to who he you know, previously was. Bernard Raymond's developing at left tackle. So hopefully you have some of those pieces in place so it's not – it's not such a long process to get someone like a Anthony Richardson to where they could be. I always find this interesting around here, um, and really everywhere, but certainly around here in, in terms of talking to Chris Ballard because he – Everybody often talk about the best player available. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, Matt, the Colts select Will Levis at number four overall. They don't have to feel compelled to move up to number three or anything like that. Um, if they draft Levis at four, according to a mock draft you may have out there right now, uh, how far off would they be the best player available? It normally is the model they go by for a draft. How many would be better than him still on the board, you think, if Levis goes off at four? Yeah, I have him. That's you know the grade that you have on a player. I have him in the twenties. He's drafted a four. It's a jump, but yeah. that's just positional value, right? right? I mean, right. Um, and so that has to factor in. I think if you look at positional value and he's the fourth pick, it makes a lot more sense because you know you're not taking a running back in the top ten. You're not you know even some of the linebackers uh, not as valuable. Tight end certainly not as valuable as it used to be. Um, quarterback trumps all, so you almost you almost have to throw that ranking out a little bit and say, if this is your guy, if you're convicted about him a quarterback, you have to go get him. Yeah, it's uh, just you hear that all the time, and you go, oh wow, okay, well here it comes. But yes, positional value, and again, we're talking about too, Matt, the most important position in sports anywhere. I mean, right. any sport whatsoever, right. that's the most important position. Yeah, and I mean, as you all have seen, you know, when you when you have it, it makes everything fun and exciting, and there's endless possibilities. When you don't. 
it's it's all encompassing. It's all you can talk about is how do we get the guy again. Do you think that at all Hendon Hooker should be a player of interest for the future for the Colts? I love Hendon Hooker. Um, absolutely. I think he has to be in the mix. The, it's with the, the idea, you know, a November, mid-November ACL tear, even with it being a clean ACL, it's, hey, when is he actually going to be ready? Um, and, and can you sell that? You know, Chris Ballard, Jim Marcy, can you sell that to a fan base? If you take a defensive lineman at pick four, if you take another defensive lineman in the top 50, uh, can you sell that? Of Hey, we, we have our guy. It just might be October or November before you actually see him play. And we're going to roll with Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew and, and Sam Ellinger until then. Um, that's that's the sell. And you got to – Man, if they don't take a quarterback at four, he he better be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I listen. I I still think this is a reboot for Chris Ballard here. He had six years of lack of results, and I don't know if it was because of just how bad last season was, or because you didn't want to make if you're Jim Mercy a decision, a general manager, head coach, and your future at quarterback all in in one particular off season. He's going to have three years. So to me. And I think I'm pretty much on target with that. So in closing here, if you think that Chris Ballard has three years, would he better be better served at going with somebody like Levis that you think could turn around and, and play as early as this season at some point? Should you draft a Hendon Hooker who would be available maybe by the end of the season coming off an injury? Or would you go at Anthony Richardson who sometime down the road could be an absolute beast at that position unlike we have ever seen? What's your direction in your selection with that in mind? Yeah, so I, they backed themselves into a corner. If it were me and all things were equal, let's take Bryce Young and P.J. Stroud off the board. I would want Anthony Richardson because the ceiling is so just – astronomically high. However, because as you've mentioned, you've got six years of mismanaging resources and going for band-aids over solutions and almost a fear of trading up and putting your stamp on a guy because if he fails, then you failed, right? It it definitely feels that way. Um, So I I think they have backed themselves into a corner where it it almost has to be Will Levis if Richardson and, and Stroud are gone, or excuse me, Young and Stroud are gone. It almost has to be Levis because you need somebody week one that you're saying, here's the future. You know, we've, we finally have put our stamp on a guy. Here's the future. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes, too. I just – listen, I, I hope that Richardson can play quarterback. I just don't know at the NFL level as of right now that he can. But just the, the talent is is outrageous. And uh, Hendon Hooker, everybody just much like you talks him up a great deal. And sometimes he's he's left out. Will he make it out of the first round, in your opinion? Um, I would say right now there's a good chance he doesn't. I think enough teams need a quarterback that might miss out. You know, I mean, the Minnesota Vikings are a really interesting team to watch because who knows what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. You know, you've got the, the Washington Commanders even, the Detroit Lions. You know, there's enough teams in the second half of the first round that uh, could be looking ahead at quarterback. Seattle's certainly in the mix. Who knows how Tampa feels about Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. So, uh I look at the board and I see a lot of teams that need need answers at quarterback, and Hendon's definitely the next guy off the board. You think there's any way that the Colts are going to need to be trading up to number three? Are they going to get you know I, what blocked on this? I, I don't think they will. I, I don't think it, they believe they will. Yeah. But do they, do you think you so? Worry about it. Yeah. I mean, you have to worry about it. And we've seen it before. You know, um, the, the Chicago Bears traded up one spot to get Mitchell Trubisky. Now that proved to be a bad decision, but. They were so worried that someone was going to jump them to get their guy. They 
traded up one spot. And the cost is obviously not great when you're only bumping one spot to make sure you get your guy. But uh, that is where Ballard, who is so well-connected around the league, I mean, he's got to find out. Is anybody trying to come up? What are they, you almost have to call Arizona and say, hey, give us a, give us a chance. You know, give, us the, give us the last call before you say yes to a trade. Give us a chance to match or better it. Uh, but that is that has to be what's keeping them up at night right now. Other than making sure they pick the right guy, is, <laughs> gosh, what if we? What if you fall in love with a guy and and he's not there because you waited? Uh, well, that's the other. St- I think people around here kind of have prepared themselves for a scenario just like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. I'm I'm thankful I'm not in Chris Ballard's shoes right now. Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate that. Matt Miller of ESPN. He is their uh, draft guru. There, you can check him out. Uh, on Twitter, follow him as well. Hey, we may try to catch up with you as we get closer to the draft. He wouldn't mind. Get you on here again. Let's make it happen. That sounds great. Matt, I appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Matt Miller of ESPN, ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group. Hotline. Colts going out to Southern California to check out both C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Today in Southern California, the quarterbacks are training out there, according to Albert Breer and Ian Rapaport. Quick one, come back. Query top of the hour. I see the donk lurking there on hold. That and your calls coming up. Don't leave. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You guys watched two nights of WrestleMania. There is nothing quite like that right there. Nothing quite like it. I'm Matt Miller a little bit earlier. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. National title game coming up later on tonight. That's UConn, San Diego State, Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, ousted on a last-second shot. We'll talk to Dusty coming up on tomorrow's show. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. The theme song from Dallas played us back in because that's where he's back from. A, a, really a great race in Texas yesterday, won by Joseph Newgarden. Jake Quarry, The Morning Show, Kevin Inquiries on the Andy Moore Automotive Group. Hotline. Have you ever been to South Fork when you've gone to Texas? I have not. Actually, one of the years, I can't remember for what reason what I was doing, but I know that Mark James and a couple of the members, you know, a couple of my colleagues on the, the radio network went. I did not go to that. I was probably at the Texas School Book Depository Museum. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, they, I mean, they actually said it's pretty cool. I, I've never, I've never actually got. It that. seems like but, like such a little house, and it was always kind of weird to me that the the whole family lived in there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like uh, you know, Jr's married to Sue Ellen. And, he's down the hall. There's Bobby the and Pam. And, not very good. What's that? <laughs> I said, and clearly the security was not very good. <laughs> it's not. I'm going to tell you what though, Victoria Principal. As she has to be one of the hottest Pams of all time, right? And you talk about what Victoria Principal disco dancing would do to a little me back then. That was you pretty know, special. I'll tell, you the, I'll tell you the Pam I had a crush on of the same era. Pam Dauber. Do you know who that oh, is? I could do. Yeah, Pam Dauber. Mork and Mindy, everybody. Yeah. I thought yep. she was she was more like next door girl kind yes. of cute. But she was cool, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Victoria Principal had me. Had me at hello right there, so 
No doubt about that. But no, great race yesterday. You know, well done on the call. I love Pato Award. I love Pato Award after the race saying, you know, because Newgard had mentioned that, you know, he was appreciative of the respect in racing respect that Award was showing. And then when asked that, Award said, is there any other way to race? I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, Pato Award, you know, for those that are not familiar with him yet, they're going to be because – He's going to win a lot of races in his career, number one. He's a great personality, number two. He's kind of an excitable guy. He's always kind of upbeat um, and a massive talent. I remember, oh, a couple of years ago, it would have been at Gateway, so St. Louis at that track. We had a doubleheader, and after the first race, Award was running up close. I can't remember what happened at the end. Maybe a, a problem in the pits cost him. And I remember Newgarden was the one that came up to him afterwards and said, hey, man, you're going to win a lot of races. Like, you're, you know. And those two, I think, have a lot of respect for each other. They're right now; they may be the top. Uh, there are a lot of good talents in there. Scott McLaughlin's up there as well, but they're they're amongst two of the better. Uh, but it was, you know, it, it is so much fun to watch and and to have the pleasure to call that race on the radio network, just because it's nonstop. I mean, it really is like side by side. I mean, it, there were a couple of times where it looked like one car going into the turn. It was because they were so close to each other. And the skill set and the respect level between the, the drivers to be able to do that is it's a great show for the fans, and it was a lot of fun to call it. Yeah, that sounded great. It really was. And it, it's too bad that um, – I know people suggest – you wish you had more ovals like that because the racing is so fun. Why is there such a difference between crowds and an oval and crowds on a race course? Or I should okay, say on a tra- – something, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a great road course. And, and the analogy that I've always used, and by the way, and John, I'm the first to admit, I, I didn't necessarily know this until I started working in it. So for, for folks that are unfamiliar, a road course is a permanent fixture and a street course is a temporary course using streets of a city. I, I mean, I didn't know that probably until 10 years ago, calling me ignorant, but. Well, so so uh, Long Beach, Long Beach, which is coming up next in a couple of weeks, is a street course, correct? Correct. So it uses city streets, and then like Mid Ohio is a road course, meaning it's a permanent track, right? That that uses right and left-handed turns. But I I think the easy—I've thought a lot about this. You know, why are there not more people at ovals versus road and street courses? And I really think it comes down to this: to go and watch an oval race, even though it's intoxicating and people that go to it, I think by and large, always enjoy it to buy that first ticket and go. Probably you have to be a fan of the sport or typically that's what it would take. Whereas on a street course like long beach, it's just a huge event. It's a downtown civic event. And as I told Kevin this morning, you know, it's like Irish fest, you know, every year, Shannon and I go to Irish fest and we buy a Guinness and we listen to, you know, Irish music and I buy a sweater and we walk around for an hour and that's it, you know? I mean, just because it's an event, it's something to do. And I think that that's what a street course is. I mean, people go, or a road course, because they can camp and they can hang out and they can grill out and they can drink and, you know, they can walk around and all of that. So you don't have to, it's an event outside of just the sport itself. In addition to that, I think that the ovals translate better to drama on television. So I think people are more tempted to watch it on television than to go to the track itself. 
So I think those are the factors that come into play. Jay Quarry, the morning show, Kevin and Quarry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Why, why couldn't we, and I know we just, we listen, we, we can't be trusted. And I say we, and it's certainly not me, but most cannot be trusted to try to handle a situation that went down yesterday in that women's national championship game. I know you're not probably privy to it because you may have been working, you may have been on the road or whatever whatever but why can't we just enjoy hey listen trash talking is a part of it i loved it all bad officiating is a part of it i mean i love making fun of bad officiating but at the end of it it became some big social display to try to make sure that you get more clout and a lot of views in social media and that's the part of yesterday i i could not stand why can't we just be satisfied with a level of competition in the women's game collegiately that has been on the rise and certainly is more in in the public eye now mass public eye more than it ever has we just can't be satisfied with that can we we can't be trusted agree you you know what's interesting to me two things number one and part of it is because of the teams that are playing tonight and no disrespect to them because san diego state has been quietly a really good program for a while now they were one of the best teams of the year where the tournament was scrapped due to covid you know they san diego state turned their keep for certain uconn has been just phenomenal the last you know, month and a half of the college basketball season. So two very deserving teams tonight and two teams that'll be fun to watch. However, not necessarily two teams with major fan bases or despite UConn's, you know, potential here for a fifth title in 24 years, which is amazing. Not necessarily the the national clout and blue blood, blood status, even though I think UConn kind of is that of late. But so it is amazing that maybe that all factors into here it is, the day of the national championship game in men's college basketball, and all of the discussion is about what happened in the women's national championship game. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, that speaks to, you know, it speaks to, to the talent of Caitlin Clark and the and, and the talent of LSU overall and, and just the, the nature of it all. I, I think the reality is, John, and I know it's probably not comfortable comfortable for people to talk about. I know it's probably an area that other people can speak more intellectually about than than me. But I do think that there is a little bit of a social, a fascinating social dynamic with the racial aspect of it, quite frankly, because you have, you know, uh, you have a a white player from Iowa and from Des Moines, Iowa, that people are naturally defensive about the fact that she was taunted, I'll say for lack of a better phrase, at the end of the game by African-American players. But in reality, they were mimicking the exact behavior that she had displayed over the course of the tournament from herself that pumped herself up. I think part of that is just the mantra. So not only do you have the racial element of it, but then I think you also have the gender element of it because when guys do that, Oh man, like look at what a fiery competitor. And you know, he's got the Mamba mentality. He's got the MJ mentality. I wish LeBron had that. But when a female player does it, she was raised the wrong way. She didn't. She she doesn't have any grace about her. So there are a lot of elements that make it intriguing, and I think that's why it's been such a topic of discussion. But to your point, what we should be talking about, I I had the pleasure last night of flying back. I flew into Cincinnati, actually, and I flew next to a young lady who had played basketball just a couple of years ago at Western Michigan, who was we were talking about it. You know, and she was saying, look, the real story was the fact that LSU was blistering hot. They scored over 100 points. They, you know, they, they, 
they had their finest offensive game at their finest offensive hour when it, when it mattered most. And you had a player in Iowa that, that got a lot of eyeballs on that. And so both deserve a lot of respect, in my opinion. No, I, I loved it yesterday. I loved it. And then, you you know, you get, especially if you're unlucky enough to get into the uh, For You category of your YouTube, which means there's nobody on there that you really want to read. And for some reason, it suggests it's For You. You get in that toilet, and then you got to just see everything that sucks. Listen, I know the officiating was bad, but I got news for everybody. It's part of it. It's going to happen. And I'm glad it's not perfect because I don't know what people would do if that aspect of complaint ever went away. I don't know what we would do if it ever went away. And the other part of about it is it, it just it was a compelling game. But everybody's always going to twist this into their own little thing and hope you go viral in social media. And I think you, that's a huge part of it. It is just – I mean, you, people cannot be trusted. It's just jackasses across the board. I loved it. I don't care if they talk trash. That's great. And I'm telling you, I loved watching that game from start to finish. And regardless of the officiating, LSU was going to win that game because they were just the superior team. But everything around it, trash talking and the ring thing and whatever that John Cena thing is, fan fantastic give me more it's about competition and that's what we should want but instead i think a lot of people just want some little controversy so you can dive in and complain about it people i don't get a lot of people man i mean it's just got to complain about something when you get up every single day i guess i'm just not built that way can't do it i saw your tweet yesterday I could not agree more. About Jaja? On Twitter. About Jaja? You had the tweet that said, all I know is that the for you is not for me. And I'm like, how many times do I now go onto Twitter on my timeline? And I'm like, what is this? What am I looking at? It's a toilet is what it is. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm on the for you set. Who determines that's for me? I have no idea. It's like somebody flushes the toilet and it like drains out on your for you timeline right there. I am. On Saturday night, I watched the San Diego State-UConn game at a pretty cool little bar that was next to our hotel. You know, I went and got something to eat, and I'm sitting there watching the game, and I got to talking to a guy next to me. Nice guy. And he was from Dallas. And then I I realized that during the time that we were sitting there talking, he had had – I mean, he he must have had a hollow leg, the, the amount of beer he drank, but he then began to tell me about how he has special clearance in the FBI special ops. And as a result of that, he was able to climb to the back of the Iwo Jima Memorial in Washington, D.C. and pull up a hatch underneath one of the soldiers feet that had a one mile ladder that went down underground into where the 13 satanic cobbles of the world were meeting that particular day. And I thought to myself, this is the kind of stuff I typically see on the for you category of Twitter. You know what I mean? Right, like, exactly. Like how, how, did I, how did I end up sitting next to this guy who was nice for the first 90% of our conversation? And then I'm like, okay, I'm sticking around because it's a good game, but I think I'm probably going to bail. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah that, and then, and I, I mentioned yesterday, Kim Mulkey, who was an outstanding coach, looked like Jaja Gabor on the sideline, which – you know, I guess if you win, whatever, right? Actually, you like, know what? That's well, she wasn't even on the sidelines. She, hell, she was out in the middle of the floor half the time running into the officials and everything else. Well, she looks like Tom Crean in a, in a leisure suit, right? I mean, she's out there like halfway. I mean, 
half half the time you think she's guarding one of the opposing players. I mean, she's something for sure. Now, Kevin <laughs> Kevin's been, Kevin pointed that out like at the beginning of the tournament. He's like, "That LSU coach, let me tell you." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love the game. Just all all of those aspects made it more compelling for me, especially coming off of what was incredibly disappointing. And I was trying to explain this a little bit earlier. Jay Query joins us that people were saying, you know, Dusty called a lot of timeouts down the stretch in that Florida Atlantic game in that final possession that they had. The reason why is he knew how important it was going to be because he did not want to leave it up to a last-second opportunity. He understood the value of that final possession because San Diego State had basically not been stopped in any of those possessions down the stretch. So you understood that. You wanted to give yourself the best opportunity. Um, and unfortunately, it, it did not work out for them. And then you get San Diego State. Normally you have, and you know this as being an NCAA tournament follower for years, is that normally you have one signature moment to where it could go legitimately a coin flip one side or the other. And if you're the fortunate team, that's that signature moment you have. San Diego State now has two of them. They got that foul call against Creighton that gave them that win, and then that that jumper, that mid-range jumper from Butler that gave them that win on Saturday night. Normally you don't have two of them like that. Normally one's enough. But having two, and then considering UConn, they haven't played in a tight game yet. If San Diego State could keep this close since UConn hadn't played in a game that's been close so far, they probably won't. But who knows how interesting that might get tonight. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I, I think San Diego State, the, you know, it's if you look at I if I'm not mistaken, I mean, it is still in play for UConn to win the tournament by the largest average margin of victory for an NCAA champion all time. I think they still have a chance to do that. And you know, they have just steamrolled through this tournament. And, you know, look at Miami. I mean, they, they jumped on Miami early and then were just able to kind of hold on to that throughout. And so you would think the spread would be much higher than seven and a half. I think the fact it's a seven and a half point line speaks to the respect that San Diego State's defense and their abilities in that regard have. I, you know, I, I just think, I think they can hang around. I do. And I think you make a good point that, They've kind of been in that moment. If it gets down to that, you know, to those moments late in the game, yep. the odds are probably 40% that takes place. But I don't rule it out because I do think just their intensity and, and how hard they play, they're going to, I mean, there's a reason. They're in the national championship game. I mean, there's a reason for that. And they've, you know, they've knocked off some, some pretty elite teams to get here. So, you know, we'll see what happens. So Jake Cray, the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings here, 7 until 10 a.m. on the fan on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So uh, what time did you get out there, by the way, this weekend in Texas? When did you leave? Uh, For Texas, I left on Friday, uh, 6 o'clock. I got out there Friday night and then was up. Uh, It was a two-day show, so it was just Saturday and Sunday. So you got out before the storms here on Friday then? Yeah, I did. And, And, you know, it's interesting, John. I, I we had a very planes, trains, and automobiles level return because there were storms in, in Dallas, Fort Worth yesterday. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, when you find out five hours ahead of time your flight's canceled and whatever else, you get frustrated. And I was frustrated, and you get the adrenaline and everything else, and then you kind of stop for a second and you go, you know what? I, I, I'm I'm going to get home. It's, it might be later than I anticipated, and there are people in Indiana that. You know, in, in areas very close to you, I know, in, in more ways than one. Um, 
you know, you realize there are people that don't have homes anymore. And you think to yourself, yeah, I can probably be inconvenienced for a little bit because, you know, it's life altering to a lot of people. It was heartbreaking to see for sure. The one thing that, and I know this is cliche, but it's true. You know, I've lived in other states. I've lived in other areas. I don't know that other states and other areas collectively come together to try to lift people up like people do in Indiana for, for fellow people and, you know, for fellow Hoosiers. So hopefully that's the case, and hopefully we're able to rally together for people that are going to need it throughout the state. It was, it, it was tough. It was, it was tough. I mean, and you feel, you feel fortunate. And, you know, my power was out, I think, until like 5 o'clock on Saturday. That that part didn't matter. And to get the scope of it. So I live basically on the now I-69 end of, of Whiteland Road. I live on the other side of Mallow Run. And we drove down because we came in here. Blake and I came in here to, to get cleaned up down the basement because we didn't have any power. And, of course, you know, I live in Walnut Grove. So when my uh, – and I mean Little House on the Prey, Walnut Grove. So right. when uh, when the power goes out, I don't have any water. And, uh, you know, all the older folks in my life want to tell me exactly what I should do with a bucket of water and flushing the toilet. And I really don't want to do that. So I just decided to come in here. And to see it being blocked off basically from 31 to 65 and then to, to recognize the damage and how lives were were affected, um, I, I mean, it does. It puts everything in perspective. I mean, it really does. And I will tell you this, the, uh, the weather coverage was outstanding on Friday night across the board. But I, I want to give a shout-out to Brian Wilkes, who had – he was on the money. Oftentimes we make fun, you know, of whether people, Sean Ash, you know, has a, a hashtag blame Sean kind of thing, and it's a big joke. But Brian Wilkes and everybody, especially Brian, I was watching Brian, was so on the money. And I mean to like 30 seconds on the money saying, hey, if this is, you know, not a warning to take shelter. This is, it is happening right now take shelter he was so on the money on that i i just and that's what i was watching and i know everybody including wybc and john herrick and the gang downstairs were doing a great job making sure everybody was updated too i just watching brian wilkes work like that it was incredible to see because he was right on on the money with everything i know technology provides that but when you see it go down and you have to explain it to folks at that moment and just know how incredibly important that it is, I, I thought that was special. I thought that was incredibly special. And I wanted to give a shout out to Brian Wilkes and everybody else who did that on Friday because, you know, they, they kept everybody as updated as, as humanly possible. Yeah, I think we're lucky because in a lot of markets, you know, you have meteorologists that, that they go into meteorology because they want to be on TV and that's, that's the way to do it, right? In Indianapolis, I mean, I know virtually all of them, we're lucky that we have people that are in it because they love forecasting the weather. They love the science of it. And they love trying to keep people informed. And I think it shows. And Brian Wilkes, you know, Brian Wilkes is a guy that, by his own admission, used to, like, listen to a weather radio when he was – like, you and I were, like, sneaking in a radio to, to listen to Marty Brenham or something. Right. He was listening to weather radio. Sure. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it's fun, and, and I will do it again. Uh, in the winter time, when they forecast some eight-inch snow and we get a dusting, you know we'll, we'll we'll poke fun at that. But when it matters most, those folks deliver in keeping people safe, and that's the important thing. Uh, there has been, and I, I don't know if you guys—I'm assuming you guys did this morning—talk about Bob Knight 
uh, being admitted to the hospital in Bloomington over the weekend. Pat Knight sent out a statement from the family earlier today, actually within the hour, that states, on behalf of the Knight family, we thank you for your thoughts and prayers. As many have heard, my dad was hospitalized over the weekend with an illness and has since been released from the hospital. We ask for your privacy as he is cared for and resting at home in good hands. Coach always taught us and those that played for him the importance of fighting through adversity, and he and our family thank you for the tremendous amount of support you have shown and given during this time. We appreciate your continued thoughts and prayers. That is from somebody you know really well, Pat Knight of the uh, Knight family. Bob Knight has been released from a Bloomington hospital. Yeah, and, you know, Pat's the best, man. I mean, I love Pat. Um, And I know, you know, for Pat Knight, I think Pat Knight is known for a long time, even since when he was a player at Indiana, that, that, you know, there have been a lot of times where he's he's kind of been – He's, he's looked after his dad or, you know, they've had a, a close relationship, obviously father, son, but then player coach and all of that. So when Knight went back to, to Indiana and was honored, you know, Pat was obviously the one that kind of put all of that together. And Pat's been very transparent. I think about some of the, the health challenges that Bob Knight has had. And I know it has not been easy on Pat and Pat is a guy that is always in a good mood, always optimistic and, I'm hopeful that that carries both he and, and Bob Knight and that family through in, in what I think is probably a difficult time. Never tell you the story about seeing Pat Knight on his 21st birthday, uh, birthday inside Hooligans? <laughs> no. Let me just tell you this. Um, without, <laughs> you without, going into deep detail, without going into deep detail, I will just tell you that in Hooligans, one of the all-time great bars anywhere, but especially in Bloomington, it was in Dunkirk Square, great place. Uh, it was really kind of a 1980s layout, kind of you know a level, a mid-level, then an upstairs, and then you could walk into the upstairs pub. It was called Hooligans. On his 21st birthday, uh, he uh, evidently stopped up the trough in the men's bathroom. Listen, man, and there, I mean, there, there's, I mean, you, yeah, yeah, I mean, you had to, you had to, re, you had to be, you had to be having a, a really special evening to stop up the trough. That is the best, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is the, I will say, when we were in college, and I, I for those that don't know, I, so I knew Pat Knight at Indiana because I was his next door neighbor, completely serendipitously i mean i moved into an apartment and first day hey let's go meet the neighbors and it was pat knight ryan carr and my myself and and my three roommates and then pat and ryan i mean we were all six of us were just it was one big apartment by you know by september practically and the thing i loved about pat was he he was just as he was just a fun loving guy that that yeah his dad was the head basketball coach and the legend of the state of indiana at the time but pat just wanted to be one of the guys and Absolutely, was just one of the guys, and was—I mean, he was so much fun, and, and still is. He's a great personality, but man, like Robin Miller, our great late—the the, the late Robin Miller used to say, "Man, so, someday maybe I should write a book." I don't have near the choice <laughs> Robin did about people, but, but I'll tell you what, there's some great ones from that time period. That was that was a good one. The old trough. <laughs> The old, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't good in the trough. I had to go. There was a tweener bathroom between the upstairs and hooligans. 
I always hit that because yeah, there was a, a little bit. There was a little bit more. Uh, it was a little more uh, private than the trough was. The trough yeah. really wasn't for me. Understood. Understood for sure. <laughs> he stopped up, stopped it up on his twenty-first birthday. What do you guys got going on tomorrow? Uh, we're actually going to continue talking. You know the the situation with the the Colts drafting fourth and whether or not Tennessee is going to move into the three slot. I think is pretty fascinating. So we'll continue to take a look at that. We're also going to, you know, I, I think that the Lamar Jackson discussion is probably a little bit cooled, but we're going to, we plan on, whether it's tomorrow or not, or, or maybe Wednesday, we're going to talk to Baltimore, the Baltimore side of it, and find out what they think about Lamar Jackson, whether or not he stays in Baltimore, what the options are there. So uh, that, and then, of course, the always, you know, uh, popular discussion of whether or not the Pacers are going to get Victor Wembanyama, which they're not, but it's fun to talk about, right? You know, it's funny but, uh, about. Obviously, we'll recap tonight's game. I mean, that's the big thing. San Diego State, Connecticut. We'll we'll talk about that. That'll be a big thing. My, my theory more on the Colts and no Lamar Jackson, which is not going to happen, and I've completely ruled that out. Is is more so because if this were a year ago, without a doubt, I think Jim Irsay right now is at a point to where he wants to be point man as ownership as an owner of the NFL and you know after going down the path of this is not this we don't want this in the NFL I you know I'm again I'm paraphrasing what he said last week there's no going back from that so I mean you can't say that and then go out there and and grab Lamar Jackson so there's no going back for that he he just I mean he wants to be the leader I think he wants to be a major voice as ownership in the NFL and after he said that last week I mean, people still suggest that it could happen. You might as well write that thing off. It's not. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. I, and I, I think that's a very – I think Kevin was the one who pointed this out at the time, and I think it was a really astute observation. When when Jim Irsay was the first to be outspoken about Daniel Snyder and got some praise for that, I think that uh, kind of awakened in him this epiphany that he's a guy that could speak for the owners on a lot of topics. And I think – the guaranteed contracts and, and the money to quarterbacks is one of them. And it would be, obviously, this would be a way yes. for him to, to begin with that line in the sand. All right. 7 until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. We're going to let Jake Query go get a nap right now. Go do it. That was the majority of the afternoon, John. I appreciate it. Did uh, James ride his bike down there and back? How did he get back? <laughs> Mark James, Nick Yeoman, and Michael Young drove back. they <laughs> As soon as I canceled the flight, they drove back. I, we were supposed to fly out of Dallas Love Field. I went ahead and drove over to DFW, caught a flight to Cincinnati. My buddy Mike Byron drove down to Cincinnati, picked me up at 9.50 at night, and we drove back to Indy. There you go. That's nice of your buddy oh, yeah. to do that, though. Was he the only Byron guy that would do that? Would everybody else just say, you know what, You know, piss off on this. I'm not coming down well, there. Well, you were going to be the second call, so you better be glad. <laughs> well, I'm the only one that's going to answer the phone that late for one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Buddy, I I appreciate you. We'll talk at you later on this week, I'm sure. See you, John. It's uh, Jake Query. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll do some calls on the other side. Hey, I've got a free 5 o'clock hour where we can touch on a lot that we have talked about so far on this show. And there's a lot more for you inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Stream the app, HD Radio, 93.5107 by The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiots in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, Brian Adams will headline Carb Day 2023. Brian Adams and uh, Soul Asylum, which was announced last week. All right, I got time for you. Actually, uh, nothing more is scheduled in unless we have a surprise. So I'm, I'm good to go if you guys are good to go and talking about a ton of stuff. Now, we'll tell you this. I did not watch. Did not watch WrestleMania. They have it like two nights. I didn't watch WrestleMania. And I can also tell you this by trying to get in and around downtown at about eh, about 4 o'clock, 4.30 on Saturday, late afternoon. I think basically everybody out there went to see Luke Combs. My goodness. The whole south side was a bottleneck going to see Luke Combs. And I believe a lot of you got tickets from us, so you're welcome. But it was incredible trying to get around. What is that long neck beer never broke my heart or something? Shout out to Corey Kenny, still rocking the show. He's actually listening to the show at the top of Europe right now. He is on a mountain in Switzerland. And has us locked in, man. Corey, thank you very much. BT Do writes this. Everything pointing to and everyone saying the Colts will select Will Levis, that means one thing. They won't. And you might be right. I'm just telling you what I had consistently heard. And it may be completely different now. And as I mentioned earlier, they may thank me later saying, you provided just a great smokescreen. All you did was talk about Levis this and Levis that, Levis, Levis, Levis. And that gave us some leverage to go a different direction with relative ease. They may have to thank me later. I'm just telling you what I have consistently heard throughout this. And if you know that there's one thing I will not do, I won't BS you. And if you know that there's other things that I am, that I am connected, I'm just not BS connected. But I can give you a thing or two about a thing or two occasionally. It's from Pat Marsh. Hey, JMV, my mom lives in Robinson, Illinois, just one mile south of the tornado that hit there. Wilkes mentioned a possible tornado touching down in Robinson, and I passed the info to my mom before anyone on her station mentioned it. He's great A. He, he was incredible on Friday night. This is not a warning about the potential Coming in, this is, there is a tornado going on right now. Take cover. And again, I want to give my thoughts to everybody that went through that ordeal and still may be going through that with the destruction of the tornadoes, the severe weather that came through the area, came through the state on Friday. Whether we're talking about Whiteland or Martinsville, I I know that they... They had a tragedy down at McCormick's Creek State Park, uh, down in Sullivan, Indiana, in Sullivan County. Thinking about you. 
alright right, 239-1070. Email the address, jamvia1075thefan.com. Love to have you on board here. He's been waiting for a while. Let's go ahead and load him up and see where he takes us. Hello, Donk. How are you? Good afternoon, John. First of all, we need to teach this new producer, I don't wait on query. Query waits on Donk. Now, I want to congratulate you, Green County, and the rest of Southern Indiana on the success of Coach May. You guys now have a hero not named Clampett, Darling, or Bass. Every time something good happens in Fast Mooresville, you guys beat it like a dead horse. You know what? The Rednecks in Bedford are still loving on Damon Bailey. It's over. All right now, rack me. <laughs> he, um, I'll be honest with you, and that was all about me right there. He's not wrong. He's not wrong about that. He's not wrong. I will, and I will continue to do so with Dusty May because I am that proud. Listen, Southern Indiana, Southwestern Indiana, in particular, Greene County, they take hit after hit. And most of the time, it's rightly so. And I'm right there, as they would say down there, I'm I'm right there betwixt them. So when there's an opportunity to embrace, well, take that opportunity to embrace. Plus, the other thing that I love more than anything else, and this would, if it were, you know, outside of Greene County, if it were someplace else in the state of Indiana, we'd be celebrating this. It is just sticking to it. I mean, it's one thing that you make it and you have this great season, you have this great NCAA tournament run, you take a school for the first time ever to the Final Four, but it's sticking to it. You know, starting starting at the bottom and working your way up, there's something to be said about that and something certainly to be celebrated about that when it occurs. But no, Donk, you're right. And with Damon, hey, Damon, still Damon, who was the uh, hockey player, the NHL player that was once upon a time from Bedford? They remember that? Donald Brashear? You guys remember Donald Brashear? He, the reason why I bring that up is because he brought up Bedford and Damon. Donald Brashear was actually born in Bedford, Indiana. Anybody know that? Played from 92 through 2015. Canadians, Canucks, Flyers, Capitals, Rangers. Here's the story right here, by the way. Brashear's the youngest of three children, American father, Johnny, and Nicole, and was mainly of French-Canadian descent in Bedford, Indiana. Donald Brashear. He's not too far off of me. He's like two years younger than me. Damon, and I don't know if they take credit. Oh, Claude Akins. Claude Akins, who was Sheriff Lobo and BJ and the Bear, and then had his own show. Claude Akins, who was in a number of episodic westerns back in the 60s and a lot of films, too. He normally played the bad guy. Claude Akins, Bedford, Indiana. Look it up. Matthew's next at 239-1070. Hello, Matthew. Hey, JMV. You know, when I, I see your name there, and I have to, I have a little bit of a pause because I'm, I'm thinking, do I need to be given the B1057 number out or the the fan number out? So just a, a slight <laughs> pause right there, Matthew, with you. Go ahead. 
Um, you might have touched on this already dur- during the show. I hate how late the tip-off is tonight for the championship game. Do you think it's going to be a blowout by UConn? Because that's what I'm afraid of. Um, I don't think so. Like I don't, I don't think so. I just, to me, Matthew, San Diego State is going to have to play this from what I like to call station to station, or from television timeout to television timeout, and and keep, you know, keep it to a possession or two throughout. Um, and that's that's if you want a competitive game, that's got to be your hope from a San Diego State side of it. Yeah, like you can't get down fourteen with fourteen minutes to go. UConn will sing you a lullaby for that. So, to me, it's going to take a lot for them to remain in contact. But if they do in the final five and considering that the Huskies haven't been in a situation like that yet, that's where it can be interesting. But this is going to be one of those television timeouts to television timeout type of deal to where, all right, where are you? Uh, does UConn get momentum? Do you call a timeout if you're Brian Dutcher and, and you know, kind of utilize it like the NBA does and squash any sort of momentum um, that UConn can be built because you you have to stay within contact that's the first thing and you know if they if they're close late it could get interesting there Uh, i agree that's a very good point yeah anything else matthew Uh, did you catch the indycar race last night i'm so upset that my driver crashed again who uh who's your driver i'm unaware Grosjean. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's – hey, they, there's a drone flying right out our window right there. Check that out over there, James. Look at that thing. Look, I'm going to give the I'm gonna give the finger to the drone right here, Matthew. Is that rude? <laughs> hey, hey, drone, hey, look at this. Look through my window right here, you drone. It looks like a big mosquito kind of right there. Hey, look, I'm giving the – the finger to the drone. Uh, but I'm sorry, what you asked, yeah, Grosjean's kind of used to that, right? You can be kind of used to that with him crashing. Yeah, I am. It's just unfortunate because I feel like both races he actually had a decent chance to win. He's talented, no doubt about that, but he, uh, he'll he crash up some some rides too at the same time. So, But he's talented. Matthew, anything else? Uh, no, I think that'll do for now. You're fantastic. Thank you very much. Hey, Todd, too, a little too late to get in on the drone action right there. It was right here next to the window. Is it flying back in? Oh, yeah. It's further out toward the monument. You see it right there? Hey, Todd, if you could right now, and he would, would you throw a rock at it? <laughs> I remember when I was like, Nine, somebody was somebody was dumb enough in Owensburg. We were playing basketball at the basketball court. Somebody was dumb enough to fly a remote control airplane over us. And it was just like rock. They finally had to say, all right, enough of this. Because everybody was throwing rocks at it. Jackasses we were. Quick one, we'll come back. Todd and Donnie on the other side of 5 o'clock hour with a lot of me and a lot of you. We'll go back to the women's national title game and the national championship game tonight for the men and more next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, sir. There's been a little problem in the cockpit. The cockpit? What is it? It's the little room in the front of the plane where the pilots sit. That's not important right now. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 
Man, Luke Combs, you bring it. Brother, you bring it. Downtown, near south side of downtown was slammed at about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. Hope you guys all had fun at Luke Combs on Saturday, some of which won the tickets right here. Donnie's up next at 239-1070. Donnie, welcome to the show. Hey, Mr. JMV. I just got to say one thing. Yes. Um, what, what was the girl on LSU that touched her ring finger? It was, uh, uh, what was her name? Reese was uh, first. Okay. Yeah, Reese. Was, I, I yeah. watched it. I didn't even know her name. And yes. all I can say is she touched her ring finger. And I can say this. If that is the most obscene thing that's happened to Caitlin Clark, this year, shame on yeah. all the women basketball Let me players. tell you this. Angel Reese did absolutely nothing wrong to me. Caitlin Clark nothing. does nothing wrong in the world of trash talking. If you do it, you know you're going to get it back. She got it back. And everybody wants to complain, and it's got to become a social issue. And, you know, you, you turn to social media, and you turn it into an absolute toilet. What was a fun game to watch, a compelling game to watch, is ruined wow. because of a bunch of criers. So that's how it goes. It's pretty sick there, but I do want to say one thing. You look pretty good at uh, a baseball opening day over at the pub there. I'm trying to think what the name of it was. Oh, it was Joe's Grill. Joe's Grill on Thursday in Castleton. Real movie star, dude. Thank you very much. I'm trying to. I'm trying to catch up to guys like Matt Damon right now. Jeremy Renner. I kind of want to get there. All right. Am I close? Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Jeremy, who are you close? Um, Jeremy you know, Renner's I'm recovering not... from a, uh, I believe, a plow, snow plowing accident right now, too. So wow. Trying to, holy trying, to, trying to get to those spots. Donnie, it was great to see you. Thanks for showing up. It, we'll get back to that women's national title game. And everybody crying and everybody whining. I, to me, I, even the officiating, I'm fine with it. They're going to screw up. They're going to mess up. We'll get to that coming up on the other side. Now, We'll, we'll mess around with it, but they should be fired in the third quarter. I mean, come on. Come on. LSU was going to win that thing going away anyway. I loved it. Absolutely did. Quick break, and we'll come back. That national title game tonight, Pacers, Colts, and more in the 5 o'clock hour, beginning with Todd next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flatts guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jay Cray a little bit earlier. Matt Miller of ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. The NFL draft analyst on the show. We talked about a variety of the quarterbacks. And Jeremy Fowler of ESPN suggesting over the weekend that everybody took off and ran with it. It's okay if you don't give me full credit for talking about that since October. But the buzz is that of of Will Levis? I'm with you. To me, it was all out for Stroud. I don't know about Levis at four to me, but again, until I hear otherwise, that that's who you hear it's going to be. I 
Uh, JMV, Donald Brashear was one tough, badass hockey player with skills from Jim McCann. As Seaberg mentioned this, isn't Donald Brashear the guy who Marty McSorley cracked in the head with a hockey stick and damn near killed him? <laughs> yeah, it was. That was the Donald Brashear. Uh, both of those dudes were tough dudes back in the uh, 90s, especially mid to late 90s. Maybe even into the 2000s in the NHL. Alex Golden checks in with his. Curious how other NFL drafts have gone for the Colts and the information you heard during those. Did they take you, who you heard and take? Was it opposite or was it more quiet? Um, well, normally, and this has been kind of me, Alex, over the years, I've just uh, sat around and sh- did shake my fist and cried over you know, getting wide receivers. That's been about it. You know, it's been a wide receiver. So this is a little bit different. And the dynamic is different, too, because we had an entire season in which everybody was ready to move on to the offseason talk in October. We were talking about that legitimately, and that that hadn't happened in a while. In late October, early November, everybody was just kind of done. You know, everybody was, you know, off the whole Jeff Saturday bandwagon, and then you you started your scroll or whatever petition, which still, I'm telling you, I, I I know that a lot of you that listen, even some of you inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you signed that, but that was so incredibly stupid. I don't care how much you didn't like Jeff Saturday as a coach. It wasn't going to take that for Jim Irsay to make the decision not to bring him back. But that is so stupid. That, honestly, I've been around here for, what, 18, 19? That's one of the the dumbest things that happened around here from a fan base. That was stupid. Well, I know, oh, Mr. Golden Era there. Oh, wow, he's a Golden Era guy. Yeah, okay. Well, take what you just got this past year and then times it by, I don't know, nine plus, ten plus years, and then you'll be with a lot of us that had to go through that crapola from the time they got here until that time. So, yeah, you you celebrate that. And you know, whenever you're around somebody that suggests that you talk too much about it or too much is made about it, just, just go ahead and just realize that that person that's saying that is very stupid. Or incredibly young. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Either incredibly young or very stupid. So give them the benefit of the doubt if they're young and then teach. That's what I'm trying to do to you. Teach about what everybody went through to get to the point where, you know, jackasses say the people around here are spoiled. No, the older generation is not spoiled. Nothing being spoiled by that. So if it's young, you teach. Uh, If it's older, just consider it a a jackass and move on. It's my thought. National championship game yesterday I thought was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Of course, you know, everybody had to what they normally do in social media, uh, turning it into something really stupid. I love trash talk. I love basketball for one. I love competitive basketball. That's exactly what you got. And you've had trash talking from... Very confident women playing the game of basketball, which I think is outstanding. 
I saw zero wrong with any of it. I didn't try to compare what Caitlin Clark did against Louisville to what Angel Reese did against Caitlin Clark yesterday. I don't care about comparing that. The only thing that I did feel compelled to say, no, 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 was the whole standing up for South Carolina and and the girl that Caitlin Clark didn't guard on Friday. Caitlin Clark, that was like a dream scenario. Can you imagine? Think about yourself as a basketball player. Think about yourself going out there and scoring 41 and then not having to guard somebody. You can literally take it. That's not... That's not an Iowa or a Caitlin Clark problem. That is a problem with who you have on the floor that can't shoot. And they probably do other things fantastically, but that's a non-shooting issue. That's a strategy. Why in the world would you guard anybody that you know is not a threat to score? And you know what happened? They tried that ploy against yesterday. You guys noticed that against LSU? They tried that yesterday. And that Carson girl stepped up and went five for five in the first half and was in just the most magnificent of zones as a basketball player. I mean, zones that most of us only dream about, only fantasize about that type of zone to where everything you shoot and it was a Clark responsibility a couple of different times and it wasn't taken seriously. And what happened? She drained him. That strategy worked on Friday night. Strategy didn't work yesterday. And then she banked one home at the end of the half. That was glorious. But, nah, I mean, everybody wants to take that into, you know, a social issue and social media, which is just so stinking off-putting, I can't even tell you. Just a highly competitive basketball game that wasn't ruined by the officials. Yeah, they messed stuff up. Yeah, it wasn't ruined by the – it wasn't ruined for me. Was it ruined for you? Did the officiating work? Did you think that had a call here or there been different that Iowa was going to have more of a chance? Because they didn't. They weren't. LSU was a better team. Iowa was a good team, but certainly was made great by an individual player. That's how each team got there. Think about this for a moment the next time. The next time you want to be somebody that says, well, these officials, you got to fire them in the third quarter. Um, think about what you would have to do if you could not complain about the officiating. Think about one of these days. I mean, we're going to be living in the world of AI. One of these days, you're probably going to have some Hawkeye robot rolling around out there calling. You don't want any of that. Like all this AI stuff right now. <laughs> Did I hear this right? Are they doing an AI version of a sporting event coming up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think they're doing an AI version of maybe a round of the Masters. I don't even want to know that exists. This is going to be a putt from about 15 feet away from the cup. (laughs) You don't want that. Don't don't do do stuff that maximizes of us humans, not gives a reason to subtract. Okay, let's do that. You guys can live in the world of the Jetsons when I'm long gone. Not now. All right, two three nine ten seven. They got time for everybody out here too. National championship game later on tonight. 
You got San Diego State. You got UConn. I gave my thoughts on that a little bit early on how the Aztecs can hang in, about how good UConn has been. You make them maybe sweat a little bit because they haven't been in a game that's been tight yet in this NCAA tournament. Will San Diego State be able to do that? Hot shooting Bradley continues, maybe. Timely shooting of Butler continues, maybe. But no question about this. Are you ready? No question. Well, UConn has been the best so far. And again, a shout-out to Dusty May in Florida Atlantic. Dusty's going to join us on the show coming up tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about that season that ended on Saturday night with that shot at the buzzer by Butler that sent the Owls home after that national semifinal. But served a great deal of purpose, regardless of what Donk says about Southern Indiana and Greene County. May... JMV, what do you say, Bass, the Darlings, <laughs> and the Clampets. That did make me laugh a little bit. All right, 239-1070. 5 o'clock hour starts with Todd. Todd, welcome to the show. So 920, hi, John. Hello, way. Todd. How are, by the way, <laughs> Tucker Barnhart is in the lineup at 640 tonight for the Cubs. In the lineup. I think they got smoked yesterday by Milwaukee. Yes, yeah. I believe, uh, he was uh, <laughs> he was on the bench yesterday, but uh, for sure, yeah, Milwaukee. By the way, the Reds are 2-1, and one, tied atop the National League Central, just so everybody oh, will know. Yes. 9-20 tip-off tonight. I'm guessing at the very least Rafferty and Hill get to sleep in on Tuesday. Um, Nance, Nance may be on a bird to – <laughs> hey, Raftery, 920 tip or not, Raftery will be celebrating with a couple of cocktails afterwards. That's one of the great reasons why Raftery is one of the greatest of all time right there. Hey, I want to follow up on your woman's uh, college hoop, but first of all, um, I end up listening to uh, to uh, Darlene and um, John uh, Herrick on uh, Friday night. Yeah, they were did a great job. I know you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Um, they probably stepped on some uh, George Norrie UFO Bigfoot fans' uh, time schedule, but uh, they, oh, was that they, they, they had on? Who's that George Norrie? Who's that? He's the guy that does what's it, uh, Coast to Coast, whatever it is. Oh, so, oh, is he conspiracy theory UFOs, yeah, 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 Bigfoot, yeah. Loch Ness monster yeah. type of dude? Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. Regular, well, and I know Wilkes. I think there was uh, what was this Friday Night Smackdown was probably on, so. He probably had a bunch of wrestling fans not happy with Welks, but who who cares? I mean, he was keeping Delicious. people safe. It, it's just because, you know, the weather's not happening in Kokomo that's happening on the south side doesn't mean, I mean, you're still going to get that coverage because they serve the area and not just a portion of the area. So hopefully people understand that. Roger that. So, you know, with this, this well, not only just the, the women's tournament, but even the season, and I understand there was an elevated interest here locally because of the success that Terry Morin had down in Bloomington. Yep. But um, by, by, by all evidence, um, the ratings were tremendous for this entire tournament. Now, me and you are about the same age. I can remember where this was yep. page six, 40 yes. stuff um, exactly. back in the day. Um, we know more about this. The NIT has become kind of the, you know, the, the afterthought. But 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 why 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 do we think? And forget about yesterday. And a lot of a lot of stuff happened yesterday. But um, why do we think that that not just locally but across the country that uh, and thankfully so. But that the the value and the importance of the women's college basketball in general plus the tournament 
has become so much more significant with the uh, viewing public. I, I just I think that a lot of people view certainly professional basketball and the NBA much differently. Um, I think that college basketball in a couple of different ways with, you know, what has transpired in NIL and in, you know, the uh, transfer portal has become a little bit more perfect, not even a little bit more, a lot more professional-esque. I still think people view, um, you know, the women as more of a, a grassroots of basketball right now. And I will say this, I love the game of basketball so much. I don't care where I have to watch it. If there is competition, and if that competition is compelling, I will sit and I will watch it. It doesn't matter. I am constantly looking for that. And that's what it gave us on Friday night in the Final Four. And that's certainly what it gave us yesterday afternoon. And, Todd, you're absolutely right. The numbers have been huge. It's just people drawn to it because they love basketball and you love competition. And there's no doubt that a name like like Caitlin Clark with that name recognition, I think that the, the first time that she was ever compared to a long-distance shooter, she's very – you know, when they say that she's very uh, Steph Curry-esque, that's going to automatically draw some some eyeballs to it. And then when those eyeballs are drawn to it, when they deliver, when the player or the team delivers, and you really do get a an interest in it, not a divided interest, but a, a pointed interest, that just builds the brand. And I think that that, that did a good job, even without the other crap that went on yesterday. Uh, they've done a good job of building that brand and giving us basketball lovers what we ultimately want. I mean, Notre Dame won a title, yeah. whatever it was, eight, ten years. But I, you I, you, I couldn't tell you what the hell went on. Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. I'm betting Laney is logging some hours, man. Well, um, we've uh, we 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 battle between that and uh, Stranger Things on her phone. So <laughs> the, the worst thing that ever happened was her getting a phone. It's like the worst worst thing that ever happened. And I I know I come across Todd oftentimes sounding like like a really old curmudgeoning fart, but this is true. The worst thing that's ever happened is the phone because where's the charger? My phone's not charged, and it's all it's a lot of stranger things stuff right now. So, but there's there's no doubt that that has built a that has built a significant brand. And you know, whether you're talking about you know LSU and just a great level of team basketball or a more compartmentalized individual aspect of Iowa. I mean, it all holds true. I mean, it does. And, you know, and it just, when you think about it too, and I've been downplaying and really ripping on the whole social aspect of it and getting away from the basketball part where a lot of people want to get a little bit more clout in social media or on ESPN for saying stuff just to say stuff. What it also does, I mean, it it builds a level of interest because I believe in this case, I think Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark are both back, respectively, at LSU and Iowa next year. So, you know, you get a head start on having some drama coming out of that game. I just, I to me, it was a, a great competition that I enjoyed and I didn't even have to dive into the toilet that was a lot of the social media afterwards. So do, do any of the gals? Do any of the gals go early? I noticed uh, Mackenzie. I'm spacing her last name from IU. Yeah, McK- and now yeah. she's coming coming back. You know, um, right? Mackenzie Holmes. 
yeah, yeah, it's not it's not astonishing. I mean, to me necessarily, um, but it, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> who's the last woman? Well, I mean, I, listen, I've had I had Mackenzie Holmes on, I had Grace Berger, I had Sydney Parrish. Yeah, um, yeah, it is it is it is growing in interest, and I, I listen. You look back in in the past, I couldn't tell you who was was who, but you know, after watching you know yesterday, you know, watching Reese and watching. Robinson watching Carson and watching Morris and that that group of LSU players and you know the Iowa players it 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 was fun for me to watch it was an enjoyable compelling watch and that's all I'm looking for in basketball fantastic show John get to your other callers thank you Todd thank you very much for the call loved it yesterday loved it and believe me I'm like a chief complainer in terms of officiating at the NBA level And I'm not trying to argue whatsoever that the officiating shouldn't and couldn't be better. But as far as taking stuff away, it didn't take anything away from it. But just the, the bickering that took place afterwards from adults, that takes away from it. But see, here's the thing. And I feel good about this. I, I, I have such a tremendous filter when it comes to that. And that's why I make fun of the whole for you thing, because that is absolutely Twitter wise, not for me. But I have such a fantastic filter. I can filter out the bull crap with the best of them. So I didn't feel like I needed to get involved in any of it. You know, in terms of, you know, people in social media or people on Twitter, you know, trying to to tell me their definition of class or classless, I'm not interested. I just wanted to give them my definition of compelling basketball, of high-level compelling basketball. That's what I got yesterday. And I don't even know, this may be a classless rant, and if so, so be it. But I'm not looking for that edge. I'm not looking to build my clout. I'm not looking I'm not looking for any of that. I'm looking for something on a Sunday afternoon that I enjoy watching that has a great deal of competition. That's exactly what that gave me. Yeah, whether or not you know, Zsa Zsa was in the middle of the floor and should have been handed out a technical or Caitlin Clark should not have had a technical, whatever. But it was an enjoyable watch. It was. The only thing that made it unenjoyable is if you didn't have a significant filter after the game and then everybody is just griping and complaining about this and this is what is wrong and this is classy and this is classless. Sometimes in competition, and especially if you talk, and I love talking in competition, that's, that makes it even better. But that made it great. And you could tell by those that are involved, you could tell that LSU had an axe to grind on that, and so be it. So be it. If that was extra motivation, extra motivation, they got it done. But on the other side of it, Caitlin Clark didn't look like it bothered her at all. Great stuff yesterday. Gutshot Greg said, did not watch a second who won LSU. Gutshot Greg won. And let me tell you this, Gutshot Greg, it was more entertaining 
you could put together again. No offense on this. I just know you as a Butler fan. You could put together five Butler games. Five Butler games would not have matched what you saw yesterday in terms of really strong competition and watch. If it was watch worthy, you couldn't put five Butler games together this year and find what you saw yesterday in the afternoon. True story. But gut shot LSU won and was good. I got to see a girl in a zone shooting the basketball. I love that. Uh, Aaron's at 239-1070. Aaron, hello. What's up, stranger? What's happening? Hey, you got it. I want to bring a little nuance to the conversation. Nuance? Well, you're in the wrong place, Buster. You better go someplace else. <laughs> hey, hey, plus I got a question about a, uh, a TV show back in the day. I'm ready. Go uh, ahead. First of all, let me get this through and just bear with me. You understand. A lot of people say they into uh, high school and and uh, college sports better yep. than they are the pros. But they fail to realize that those same ones that they love in high school and college, they have grievances against when they become pros. You know, so I don't think it's an athlete problem. I think it's a fan problem. Gri- grievances you know? in what way? I'm, I'm a little lost on this one. Well, they like, well, these overpaid athletes, they're, they're uh, spoiled. Well, you start spoiling them when you put them on the ESPN at eight years old. You know, you can't. Oh, there, no, there's no doubt that, yeah, in, entitlement develops at a much earlier age now than it ever it's has. Wrong. There's no question. I think, I think it's wrong. Well, and, yeah, uh, it, I mean, it may be, know, it may be wrong, but it's going to be the right answer forever now. I mean, there's yeah, no going and, back to it. And this, I just want to point out the hypocrisy yeah. on a couple of things. Then I, uh, you hear a lot of coaches and everybody, I'm in the media. Uh, going crazy because these athletes finally being paid and, and moving around in the portal. Well, the portal's been around for, since the beginning of time. You know, what about these here co- co- college coaches looking in the eyes of these No, no, you're, you're right. You're right. And then they move. No, Nobody you're right. Has a problem with that. You, you are like, right. I, listen, I, Aaron, right. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. It just makes it much different. And it makes it more in terms of what you're talking about. And and I think you brought up the professional angle of it, too, at a much younger age now. It just brings um, it brings a tent of professionalism into it now that may not have been – it was prevalent, don't get me wrong, but not as prevalent as it is currently. And that will turn some people off. It just won't turn me off. It won't turn basketball fans off because well, I just love basketball. basketball fan. You got a lot of people that's going to the game – that can afford it that doesn't mean they're a basketball fan. Well, there's no as doubt about that. No doubt. Last night, as far as the game last night is concerned, uh, that girl Clark, that's going to be a problem when she gets into the pros. She's pretty good. You know, I've never seen or heard of her until they beat IU. And a lot of people, that's back to the hypocrisy part, they say they love high school and college sports. I wonder what's the attendance of these here college games for the girls, you know, during the season. Those gyms are half empty. They're a bunch of bandwagoners jump on. Well, uh, uh, I heard you play down real quick. I heard you not play down, but you was trying to move on, which is a, understand why you was doing it. 
that you don't want to talk about the social issues. Yeah. Well, for some of us, it's a it's not just something you can move on from. You can move from the social idiots, not well, the social issues. Why? Well, I mean, and I was talking about it in terms of social media, though. Why? Why? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, don't well, even I mean, in, in terms of finding a problem with yesterday, I found no problem with it. Thus, no, I didn't understand the reason why people were arguing. It's just trash talking. And uh, my movie part, you know, everybody grew up on Dallas back in our day, right? Sure. Please tell me you were a fan of this show. I know you had to be because your name, I won't go along with it. Airwolf. Air oh, yeah. Airwolf. Yeah. Jan Michael Man. Vincent, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I cannot go to bed when I want it just to see that the music. Oh yeah, the, the artistry, the music while you're coming out of that tunnel. Yeah, mid mid eighties, both television wise, mid eighties television wise and movie wise, you had hey, Airwolf and you had Blue Thunder, surrounded helicopters. One, yeah. One one last question for you, John. Yeah. I hear how these here uh, uh, NFL coaches can make players better. I think that's overplayed because there's a reason those guys on the team they was already good. But if they say they can make these players better, and they go like Jalen Hurst, I'm not picking on our new coach. I hope he nothing but well success. They said he made Jalen Hurst better, and that's what helped him get this job. Now, if he gets this here rookie quarterback and he's the wrong pick, does that mean he's a terrible coach? Oh no, this is uh, this would probably fall more. In the lap of Chris Ballard as being a terrible talent evaluator oh, see, and selector. John, don't do that. No, don't no, do no, that. no. I'm, I'm just no. That's that's just where it's going to be, <laughs> no, man. I'm saying, no, I'm making a job. I was just about to eat dinner, and then you got to mention Ballard. Well, oh, I got I got to hit a break here, Aaron. I pre <laughs> Airwolf, nineteen eighty three. Aaron, thank you very much. Yeah, this is all going to start at the feet of Ballard at the beginning. I mean, you just you got you have visions of well, this the the coaching style is what you're excited about. Because of what what Shane Steichen has done before in Philadelphia as the offensive coordinator, Philadelphia with with Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert and you know, the laundry laundry list that's been explained about quarterbacks, the selection is going to fall to the the feet of the general manager. Without question. All right, quick one. We'll come back. Stefan's on board. Steve is here. Bill is here inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I apologize. I have nothing to give away. I thought sure they made that IMS announcement last week here. For Carb Day, and how in the hell are we not giving away what? Who's ball dropping on this? Is this me? I thought, sure, man. You come out of the gate, get everybody excited. Oh, Brian Adams old. Brian Adams will be entertaining as hell. I had to fight Chris Hagan about that the other day. Hey, quick one, we'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. Tomorrow, Dusty May. Tomorrow, Greg Rakestraw. Big week later on, I shall explain. Coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I mentioned I mowed for the first time yesterday. The 2023 mowing season. Mower shop at Fishers and Paul. I think my uh, my mower's fast. It is fast, everybody. 
riding a Spartan around right now. Man, it is awesome. I love mowing the lawn. I absolutely love it. So first time yesterday, got on that bad boy, took off running. You know, it's interesting. People are trying to find out different ways in which to sit around and wait for the show to come back via YouTube Live inside the lounge. They say you can play video game music. That's true. Does anything play during that or commercials play during that inside the lounge? I don't during know. The lounge, I don't think so now. Huh. We, uh, do I need to entertain you? How about if, can I, because we, we can't violate, uh, what is it called? Uh, copyright. Copyright. We can't violate that. What if I hum the hits? During, like, uh, the, during the breaks or whatever? Hum the, I could just like come up with my own humming well, the, soundtrack so of the humming issue, the hits. So the thing is, like when we're on break, no sound is uh-huh. going out to the lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when I bring it back, they can get anything. So if you want, you can... You can hum it, but they like mm. once I bring it back, they can start uh, hearing the music and stuff. I could, I mean, that switch foot, the switch foot song I just played, I could hum, mm, <laughs> I could hum the hits inside the lounge or do my impression of Kenny G and like something like that, like Songbird. I could do Songbird with my mouth. <laughs> Steve's up next at 239 1070. Steve, welcome to the show. JMV, how are you doing, man? I love the show. I'm going to do Songbird with my mouth here really quick. Hold on. Go ahead. It sounds like you have gas. <laughs> Bad gas. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, uh, I lo- two things yesterday I just never thought I'd see before. One was, was the ladies' basketball, yeah. which was awesome. The one before that was watching pickleball, which I never thought I'd ever do. John McEnroe, Andre Agassi. Andy Roddick and Michael Chang played a round robin, round robin pickleball match from noon to two. I missed that. Was that fun? Uh, it was the most entertainment I've seen. I, I can watch McEnroe do anything, you know. Right. It, it, love it. And uh, it was great. I, I could not believe how good it was. And then to follow it up with that basketball game. I mean, it was like those girls, those two girls was like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I, I just I, I I love the team aspect against more of the individualized team as I mean just all uh, yeah I mean it, it you I mean you could I mean you could draw up some comparisons there's no question I, I love it though yeah it's like Larry versus Magic I just love that I never watched the ladies basketball game before or a game of pickleball it was just amazing how entertaining it was hey pickleball by the way I think we end up. I don't want to put it that way, uh, but as we get older, we kind of just devolve from wanting to be able to play sports and and doing all that well, to that. That's yeah, kind of go. that's like the the last in line, is it for well, those people who love sports? I'm a tennis professional. I'm I'm, I'm synonymous when I talk to you about Rajiv when you come in there. Your yeah. brother and right, right, right. He is your brother. He is my brother. Yeah, he is uh, certainly with the uh, WeGrowAndy.com team. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm a, a tennis professional, and we call pickleball where tennis players go to die. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's where we're all going because, the, the, like, the closest comparison, and I used to love playing it, but, man, people would make fun of you playing badminton in your backyard. <laughs> and we used to set up a badminton court. That's and I, I know we, I know we like to say shuttlecock and stuff all the time. That all made us giggle, but we liked to play that back then. And 
I mean, this is this is a more popular level, I think, of that, and this is where we're all going, right? This is where you say tennis players are going to die. I think that's where uh, sports fans that like to still play, you still like to play basketball and stuff like that. I think once we kind of get over that point to where it's it's tough on the knees and such, I, I think that's where we're all logically going to end up going. The way that it was it sounds. great to watch. It was great to watch McEnroe and Chang play against Agassi and Roddick and pickleball doubles. And uh, they got so into it, uh, they got better every time they hit the ball. You know what I mean? Well, you, I mean, you're still going to have that reaction. As a tennis player and a pro, you would know this. You still have that reaction time, right? But okay. it's just the, the, the court coverage is what you don't any longer have, and it's not necessary in this. McEnroe always had the best hands of any tennis player I've ever seen as far as reflexes with his hands. Right. And uh, – one of the announcers early in the match said that McEnroe's game won't transfer well to the pickleball. And I just thought to myself, this, that's an absolutely wrong statement. And so later in the match, uh, the other announcer who knew what she was talking about said, I don't understand why you would say that about McEnroe's game, not, not transferring. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like the ones that wouldn't transfer were the uh, heavy, the heavy reliant, reliant upon the serve. The power players, that's where it doesn't – like like Stefan Edberg would seem like it'd be perfect for him. Oh, it, it's perfect. Actually, it is absolutely perfect for McEnroe because that, that's the way he hit already. Right. That, that's the way he hit the ball in the past. Servant, servant volley technicians in tennis would be well matched with this, right? The continental grip, that's what you need. Yeah. Continental grip. Steve, I appreciate that, man. You call any time. I, I I love the show. Thank you very much. You got it, Steve. Thank you. Pickleball. I did not watch that yesterday. What the hell was I doing during that? Well, I guess I wasn't paying attention to it. I don't know what I was doing. I knew it was on yesterday. I realized it was on. I did not make it. All right, Caleb's at 239-1070. Caleb, you inside the lounge? Oh, man. I wish. No, a different. Uh, we got a different Caleb. There's a Caleb. I'm sorry to bring this up. Caleb was well, the one talking about the music during the breaks. So I thought that was you. All right. I yes, yes, that actually was me here. Hi, JMB. Okay, yeah. Uh, Caleb, in. inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Caleb, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, JMB. I appreciate you here. Um, so I'm an avid listener to 1070 here, not only yourself, but yeah. uh, Kevin and Query in the morning there. I think, right and obviously the midday show as well. I think you guys do a great job. Thank you. And in doing the great job, I used to intern with Twitch on their sports talk category. So they had this issue before. Okay. So I would like to give you, if you don't mind here, please I help you guys out and give you guys some insight. I'm always looking for help. Go ahead. All right. So number one, you saw my message in the chat. And I did. Out to everybody here. Video game music is pretty much non-DMCA. So what DMCA means is that it basically it's that shorthand for that copyright. We don't want non-copyright here. Number two, one of the other things that they did is they would talk to chat during the break. So you would, you know, look at life coach here talking about Indiana people or sorry, that's yeah, that is life coach. Indiana people talking about playoff time here. And you could have a back and forth where you could turn up your microphone and maybe for like a minute or two, you could answer JMB's question, arrive with JMB questions. Uh, you know, that would be kind of difficult because if you could tell th- these commercials that I do during the breaks, I do them live. I, I, I do them live and very unscripted. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, um, 
And sometimes that can be good. Sometimes that can be bad. But the one thing, you see, see, the advertisers with me know that they're going to get me live, and I'm going to. It's not the same thing every time, uh, unless it's supposed to be the same thing every time. I try to change it up every time. Thus, I do it live. So that would yeah. that would that would keep me from being able to do that. And then one final one that's yep. a very low hanging fruit, but just the best of the station during that five minute commercial huh? break, right? Right, the best of the station. I don't mind it. Yeah. We're looking for good ideas. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to hang up now because you're the <laughs> guy that has better ideas than me here, JMD. Caleb, so, thank you for going. being inside the lounge via YouTube Live and calling the show. Well done, Caleb. I forgot to ask him, though, like what, Donkey Kong video game? How about video f- uh, Frogger? I just let Frogger sound run the entire time. Uh, Bill's up next at 239-1070. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, JV, How you doing, man? Bill, fantastic. It was great to see you. We missed you on Friday, but saw you on Thursday. Well done. I know. And I was wondering, are you guys going to be in any place on Thursday uh, this week? That uh, That is a question mark. I do not believe I am out this week. Oh, man. Yeah. The show the show, and the Masters at the same time, man. That, uh, that'd be oh, awesome. that is so. absolutely right, right there. I, I love having the Masters, like an important golf tournament on, with the sound down and music playing in the background. It's beautiful. Buddy, on, day, on a Thursday, day one, uh, I always uh, watch the entire day and cheat on my taxes at the same time. So <laughs> that's, what, that's, I guess, what I'm going to plan on doing if we're not going to have a remote this week. But, hey, they were talking about copyrights a little bit earlier. Yes. And if, if it gets a little bit loud in here, I'm walking into the mud. Um, if, if they're talking about copyrights, then whoever runs the INL arms of both of these universities uh, are going to really be tested because uh, you could take the John Cena, I can't see you, over the face and then, and then have an image of Caitlin Clark and put those on T-shirts and those girls would get paid. I guarantee you the entire state of Iowa would buy a, a T-shirt. With oh, a sure. Caitlin Clark yeah. Well, well, we can, by the way, say hi to Mike Manley when you're in there for me, all right, if you see him anywhere in there. Hey, Mike, JMV. <laughs> you know me, man. I got no clue. Nah, well, you can, you can think about this. She's not eligible to go to the WNBA yet, right? I think you're going to be 22 years of age to go, but uh, you could make an argument that she would make uh, quite a lot more money NIL-wise in her home state of Iowa doing this for another year than she would. I mean, I don't I don't know how much you get paid as a top pick or one of the first-round selections of the WNBA, but it would stand to reason she could make a heck of a lot of money and probably more money in Iowa coming back next year, could she not? She goes. She, she definitely could, and yeah. for years and years too. Yeah. It's going to be yeah, exactly. Be collectors yeah. Well, there's thing. no doubt she'll keep on playing, and that will. She'll be a legacy in that state. She'll go down. I don't know the uh, who's who of you know great uh, name recognizable folks of the state of Iowa. Uh, the only one that comes to mind right now is Radar O'Reilly from Mash. That's fictional. <laughs> Uh, from Ottumwa, Iowa, but yeah, whomever we're talking about, yeah, there's going to be a great. I'm, I'm sure uh, Hayden Fry, for example, was you know, name recognizable in that state. You think she's yeah. uh, anywhere near where Hayden Fry, the the late great former football coach, was? I think he, she is above him, but not quite the Dan Gable status yeah, yet. Dan Gable's Dan, another one, yeah, and I'm sure yeah, Kirk, he, Kirk Ferentz would be one in the state right now too. I know the late Lute Olson maybe would have been one too, but uh, yeah, interesting. It really, it really is, and and, and also, uh, um, I think I think UConn's going to win tonight. 
I think this game is going to be an exact replica of the UConn victory over Butler the year that uh, uh, Butler made their second second run. Yeah. I think the game is going to be exactly like that. But it's going to be entertaining. Reasonable. Hey, good to see you on Thursday, Bill. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, man, we'll do it again. That's a quick break. We'll come back with you on the other side. Radar O'Reilly. Radar from MASH was from Ottumwa, Iowa. That's fictional, however. But from there, nonetheless, we'll wrap up the show with you next. The Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. Real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I mentioned the LSU-Iowa national title game yesterday. The game averaged 9.9 million viewers. Uh, This is according to Twitter, and this just came down. So that's 9.9 million viewers. That's a 103% increase from last year. And makes it the most watched NCAA Women's National Championship game in history. 9.9 million viewers. Well done right there. Well done. Wow. Hey, JMV, did you see the mock draft from the dude from CBS that has the Colts trading down for Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon, number seven overall? Yeah, I actually tweeted that out earlier and people didn't like it. I think I think TJ said, stop. I think he called it amplifying. Stop amplifying mock drafts. It's from Mick. Hey, JMV, IndyCar better get good ratings going against Pickleball. Ironically enough... Somebody else before you said the same thing. (laughs) Hope IndyCar got good numbers on NBC versus Pickleball. Probably true. Matt writes this. Women's hoops had always had some popularity, especially here. 1993 Girls State Finals, Market Square Arena, national record crowd of over 16,000 with Kokomo and McCutcheon. Well done. JMV, what were you saying about the Reds a little bit earlier? They are 2-1. and one That is tied atop the National League Central Division as of right now. Jay's on the north side at 239-1070. Hello, Jay. Hey, John. I wanted to say I really enjoyed your show on Saturday Thank night. you, buddy. I appreciate enjoyable. that, man. What you uh, Super Sounds of the 70s. Would you log in again? I did Mandy by Barry Manilow, yeah. but you never got to oh, play yeah, it. Oh, yeah, I forgot to play it. <laughs> Sorry about that. that. Okay? Yeah. I love That's asking okay. people what they requested that I forgot to play. That's I good. did The Greatest American Hero. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. You did Joey Scarberry and, early in the night. I got you. did the George Costanza, which brought back some memories. Yeah, George Costanza's answering machine from Seinfeld. Yeah. So I was wondering, I've got a good Jim Laranega story. How long do we got? We got we got a limited amount of time. Go quick. Okay, I was a sophomore at Ball State University. Yep. In Paris, he was the coach at Bowling Green at the time, 
and Paris McCurdy saved the ball, and Jim Laranega kind of took a charge, and they had a stare down for 30 to 45 seconds, and then they shook hands about 15 minutes later halftime, and Rick Majerus wanted to know why they were shaking hands at the time. No, that's well done, too. That was a much younger Jim Laranega back then. Oh, yeah. He must have been 39 or 40. Nice. Well done. Hey, thank you for the calls on Saturday, too. That was well done. Yeah, Joey Scarberry. Believe it or not, I'm not home. So what's Costanza's answering machine? James, well done out of you today. A great job inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I appreciate that. We'll be fired up and ready to go again tomorrow. My thanks to Jake Query. My thanks to Matt Miller of ESPN, ESPN.com, NFL Draft Analyst. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Rake Straw's on board tomorrow. Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, also on the show coming up tomorrow. National Championship game won by UConn. They win by seven tonight. UConn by seven over San Diego State. Probably even more. I'll say seven. We'll have a recap of that coming up on tomorrow's show, too. A little bit more about the closing part of the season for the Pacers also on your Tuesday edition of this show. Thank you for listening. The Ride with JMV, 93.5107. Find the fan. Have a great night.